0: Sports Network listeners welcome to another episode of the call sheet this is your host Kevin Smith podcast host here at FFSN contributor to the NFL page and the Steel Curtain Network and head football coach at Ocean City High School in Ocean City New Jersey pleased as always to have an opportunity to talk about the greatest sport on the planet with all of you and this is not just any week this is opening week maybe the most exciting week of the NFL calendar. I mean, you could you could obviously argue that the Super Bowl or championship weekend is is a bigger week in terms of the the gravity of the stakes, but those weekends are kind of exclusive. I mean, if if it's Super Bowl weekend, only the fan bases of two franchises really are invested in the result. Everybody else is just kind of enjoying it or betting on it the the degenerate gamblers amongst us much more on that topic in the second half of this show by the way but you know it's only two it's only two teams the conference championships is only four teams but opening weekend all 32 teams are in action everybody's undefeated everybody's excited and if you're listening to this on wednesday when the show drops we're just we're just a little over 24 hours away from from the kickoff so so it's really just an awesome time and Uh, I'm just happy to be a sports fan, a football fan in particular, and I'm thrilled to have the opportunity to host this show and talk about it with all of you. So this is episode 21 of The Call Sheet, and if you've been listening for the past month or so, you know that one of the things we've been doing recently is to take the number of the episode and then talk about a player, an NFL player who wore that number, and with With this being episode number 21, I think that there's probably one player who immediately jumps to mind who's worthy of a couple minutes of time here, and that is Deion Sanders, who had an incredible career on the football field with several teams, Atlanta Falcons, San Francisco 49ers, the Dallas Cowboys, played a year for the then Washington Redskins, and then finished up his career in Baltimore with the Ravens, and he won just about everywhere he went. He played on both sides of the ball. He returned kicks and punts. He was the definition of a lockdown corner. If you were playing the Deion Sanders Cowboys, when Deion was in his prime, you couldn't throw to his side of the field. It was a fool's errand to throw to his side of the field because he was just that good. He could take away a third of the field by himself. And there have been very few corners in NFL history who have been that talented. And oh, by the way, Deion Sanders also happened to play nine seasons in the major leagues, in Major League Baseball, mostly with the Yankees and the Braves, did some time with the, the Cincinnati Reds. He was one of the most incredible athletes in American history. He's the only athlete in American history to play in both the Super Bowl and the World Series. But I'm not really here to talk about Deion Sanders, the player, because Deion Sanders is still relevant, and he's especially relevant now as a college football coach. And it's really interesting because if you had told me back in the 1990s that Deion Sanders, he of the primetime persona, the look at me mentality, the swagger, the guy that danced all over the field in a way that really pissed off football purists. People thought it was disrespectful. His little Dion high step, as he even before he got to the end zone, as he was running back an interception or, or a kick for a touchdown, and he'd reach the 20-yard line or so and stick his hand behind his head and high step into the end zone. And everybody just – I won't say everybody. There were many who loved it. There were many who thought that that was disrespectful to the game. I mean, but that was Dion. He was flash. Uh, and he wanted the spotlight. And if you told me back in the 90s that that guy was going to become one of the most high profile, and really, if, we, if we're if we being objective about it, successful college football coaches of the present time, I, I'd be shocked. Absolutely shocked. But really, that's what he's on the verge of doing. I mean, Deion Sanders, when he entered the college coaching ranks as the head coach at Jackson State back in 2020, I think it was sort of a, I think people expected a car crash. It was almost like a publicity stunt. Is Jackson State that desperate that they they need the publicity that goes with hiring somebody like Deion Sanders? People expected a lot of headlines, a lot of provocative statements, maybe a few controversies, but they didn't expect the wins that followed. Jackson State had gone four and seven in 2019, the year before Deion Sanders took over. And then his first year was the fractured COVID year of 2020. But in the next two seasons, 2021 and 2022, Deion Sanders led Jackson State to a 23 and three record. And he used that success as a springboard to a head coaching job at the University of Colorado who in 2022, just before Deion Sanders arrived, went one and 11. Colorado has really not been relevant as a football program since the late 1990s when when Cordell Stewart was there and the Buffaloes were were ranked in the top five in the country. And Deion Sanders going there seemed like a a recipe for disaster for him from a coaching standpoint. How were they going to compete? a program that just was a, had become a perennial loser. And yet, last weekend, in his first game as head coach at Colorado, that Buffalo's team, which went 1-11 last year, before Dion arrived, knocked off TCU, who had been in the national championship game just nine months prior. That's incredible. I mean, one game doesn't make a turnaround, but when you can get your 1-11 team to beat the national runner-up, it certainly bodes well for the future. And the thing that makes Deion Sanders so interesting as a coach is really the same thing that made him interesting as a player. I mean, he's unconventional by just about every measure. And he's unapologetically himself. He was flashy and flamboyant as a player. He remains so as a coach. And and that's interesting because coaches have this tendency – to take on a coaching persona when they're hired. They they look a certain way and they speak a certain way, and they understand that they're the face of an organization. So they they make sure to conduct themselves in a guarded fashion. They don't want to bring any embarrassment to the organization or the university. They don't want to say anything too controversial. I mean, coaches are pretty boring in in their public persona when you when you think about it. But Deion Sanders is none of that. So last week after Colorado upset TCU, Sanders said the following. One of the the things he said when asked about his bravado and really the attitude that he brings to the sideline is this. He said, when you see a confident black man sitting up there talking his talk, walking his walk, and coaching 75% of African-Americans in the locker room, that to a lot of people is kind of threatening. And that's an interesting statement. I'm not going to I'm going to leave that statement alone as to whether or not that's threatening or not I, I don't care to weigh in on that at the moment. But that's not something that you often hear head coaches say. That's not the position of somebody wary of saying controversial things. And then after that he went on to call out the members of the media and some of them by name who wrote critical things of him and the Colorado program and said that they had no chance against CDU or TCU. Uh, He did everything that coaches are not supposed to do in the aftermath and really in the lead up as well. And that's why some people loathe him. Some people loathe Deion Sanders, but it's also in part why his players love him. It's why players transferred from schools all over the country to play for him because he's as polarizing as a coach as he was as a player. That swagger and that bravado and that craving of the spotlight. I mean, it's all still there but it appears to be genuine and it's definitely effective. It also makes for a fascinating character study. I mean, there's no doubt that people will be paying close attention to a Colorado program this season that has been irrelevant for a long time. And that, as much as anything else, is the impact that Deion Sanders makes. Number twenty-one. All right, so we're going to shift topics away from that, and we're going to talk about something different, right? We, we did mention you know, Deion Sanders, the coach, and let's get into a little coaching talk. I mean, this show is called The Call Sheet, and the reason it's called The Call Sheet is because we like to focus on topics that are relevant to coaches and the way that coaches approach the game of football, and this is a really interesting week, week one, for that Issue specifically the the way in which coaches approach the game of football, because the next conversation is about game planning and specifically it's about how teams prepare for this week, week one of the season for which they have no recent game film on their opponents and they're expected to devise a game plan from basically the breadcrumbs left by a team's preseason contests. And we know that those preseason contests are sparse with evidence as to what a team's going to be about. They show really little in the way of scheme. Their starters barely play. How do you game plan for a team when you have so little to go by? And then on the flip side, what do you keep in your own pocket that you know your opponent will not expect or be prepared for for game one? So game one, game planning. It might be the most challenging and yet the most interesting of all the games for which a coaching staff must prepare. So let's look at it. Let's start with opponent prep. What do you rely on to defend an opponent's scheme in week one when, again, you have no current game film to go on? Well, the obvious thing you look at is previous seasons film. Bill Belichick talked about, I saw him in an interview a few years ago, and he talked about leaving no stone unturned when it came to early season game prep. That understanding that teams were not going to put much on tape in the preseason, he would not just go back to the previous season to look at his opponents. He would sometimes go back years. And he once talked about going back over a decade to look at the schemes that Sean Payton ran when Payton was the offensive coordinator of the Giants in around 2001, 2002 to get a feel for what the Saints might run when New England played them early on one season. So again, what's Belichick doing? He's saying, "Hey, this guy isn't showing me much in August." And I might he might not do anything. He might not have done anything last season. That's relevant to the schemes that we play. But I know that in his past he's done things that are relevant, and I'm willing to go back 15 years. Because if you did something 15 years ago that worked, chances are that's still in your repertoire somewhere. And if Sean Payton wanted to pull that out 15 years later, well, Bill Belichick wanted to be prepared for it. I mean, that, there are reasons as to why he is one of the greatest coaches of all time. And that, that type of thoroughness and preparedness is one of those reasons. So we mentioned Sean Payton as a coordinator. Another thing that you do when you're trying to prepare for a team in week one and you don't have a lot of current film on them, is you look into the coordinator history. Who are the coordinators of those teams? And how much film do you have of them, whether in their current with their current team or with past teams? That may give you some clues as to what they want to do. If you played a coordinator, for example, in 2019, and they were with another team. I mean, who knows? Maybe, maybe they were with an NFC team and you're now playing them in week one and they're coaching an AFC team. The things that they did against you or your coaching staff are probably still fairly relevant. You want to know little things. Like, for example, if I'm on offense and I line up in a bunch set, how does this decor- the defensive coordinator like to defend the bunch? And I'm I'm gonna go back to any game I can find where that coordinator may have defended me in a bunch set or bunch situation. And I'm also because if I'm an NFL coach, I've got this amazing staff that can do all this work for me as, as a high school coach, I got to do almost all this legwork myself, but we have amazing software tools. We have this really cool tool called huddle. I think, I think the NFL one is called Exodus or something along those lines, but the, it's it's a software system that you just input the information you want and all the relevant film you have and then it will spit all the all the clips you want back to you. So let's say I'm an NFL team and I've got every game that my week one opponent played last year, and I can and I have that through NFL, you know the NFL file sharing, and I can load all those films into my software device. And then I can tag exactly what information I want. I can tag, for example, show me every every snap in which my opponent's defense lined up against a bunch set last year. And, and what exactly were their configurations? And it'll spit back to me every single snap from weeks one through week 18 that they played against opposing offenses that lined up in the bunch. And I'm going to see their tendencies. Oh, 82% of the time against bunch sets, they rolled a corner down, they kicked a the safety over, they played cover three. And I'm going to have a pretty good idea that they're going to be a cover three team against the bunch. And when I motion out of that bunch, now I'm going to, I'm going to input that information. Show me every snap that they played against the bunch where they motioned out of it. And what was their rotation? Oh, they rotated out of cover three into quarters. Okay, good. So now when I do that, I can expect quarters coverage and I can dial up the quarters beaters that I like because that's what the data tells me. The data tells me that, that this coordinator likes to do this particular thing. And I know that because I've inputted all the film and I've crunched all the numbers. And I can do that for every formation that they could possibly run on offense, defense, however I want to do it. And then the last thing that I would say that that you do is this. You go back to previous openers. You go back to week one of the 2022 season, and you look at week one and you say, oh, here's some of the stuff that they like to do in week one last year. Maybe this was their level of preparedness. Maybe they were... Conservative in their game plan because their offense wasn't quite as good as their defense, and they wanted the defense to carry them. They wanted to keep the game close. And maybe that's still true about that team. And so there'll be some carryover to week one of this year. So, long story short, right? You don't have a whole lot of preseason information to, from which you, you can gather, but you do have resources, and those resources lie in the past past seasons, past coordinator preferences, past openers. And you dive into that stuff as much as possible to get a feel for what your opponent's gonna do. All right, now, quick, on the flip side of that, what are some of the things that you do as a coordinator or a head coach to make game planning for you more difficult on your opponent? Knowing your opponent's gonna do these things, they're gonna gather all this information on you. You know, one of the things that you can do is in your preseason, you can kind of lay out some red herrings. You can try to mislead your opponent, you can show a certain formation. And you can run A, B, and C out of that formation. And you can you can let them say, hey, look, every time that we get into trio, which is a, a tight end on the backside of formation and trips to the other side of the formation, three wide receivers. We're doing this, man. When we get in trio, we're running wide zone to the to the trio set. We're running some kind of counter gap back to the tight end side. And we're throwing some kind of play action. Uh, some kind of three-by-one set because we're, we're seeing a lot of cover three and maybe we're throwing like a slot fade against the cover three look, whatever. And now, of course, you get to game week and you don't do any of that. You don't do any of that, right? You run completely different stuff. You run maybe a pin and pull sweep instead, right? You run wheel concept. You run double slant with a flat attached to it. None of it's revolutionary. But none of it's stuff that you've given evidence of either. And so, you know, the red herring, you know, putting information out there that you don't intend to use in week one and hope that they've planned for A and you're going to run B. And then the only other thing that you can really do is this, is you you just have to be new and creative. You have to play teams differently than you've played them in the past especially if it's a divisional game this weekend week one there's eight divisional games this weekend eight divisional games that means there's eight games where the two opponents are extremely familiar with one another they've got two games against each other from last year they've got games going back you know past seasons everybody knows each other really really well you gotta find ways to be new and creative if if you're a third down blitz team and that's what you do, right? You're a fire zone blitz team on third down. Maybe in the opener this year, you fall back in coverage early on on third down. You play coverage cuz cuz you know your opponent has prepared for fire zone blitzes. And you're and now you're not you're not coming. You're not bringing heat, right? Maybe you're playing man instead. Maybe you're crossing them up with that particular look. And there's countless examples of how you can get creative. They haven't seen anything you've done before. New formations on offense, new blitzes on defense, new coverages. You've got all summer to work on it. That's the luxury of week one. Most weeks, you got a week to game plan. And yes, teams do advanced game planning, etc. But in your, your sort of in-game preparation, it's one week. Whereas for week one, you've got all summer. And you can be as creative as you want. And that's why certain teams who are well-coached tend to do well in week one because they find ways to be creative that create advantages for them against their opponents. Okay, so for the upcoming week one, there's going to be a few games that will feature these really interesting chess matches between experienced coaching staffs that will showcase all the game planning elements I just mentioned, right? Belichick, we talked about, he's going to be at home against Philly. That's a fascinating matchup a really successful Philadelphia team, but they've got two new coordinators coming into New England. They're going to have to match wits against Belichick. That'll be interesting. San Francisco coming to Pittsburgh. That's a really intriguing Kyle Shanahan versus Mike Tomlin matchup. Two experienced, successful coaches. The Rams at Seattle, that's always intriguing. Sean McVay and Pete Carroll probably know each other inside out. What can those two coaches do? That's going to be new. And, and is going to surprise their opponent. What can Sean McVay do that will, that will surprise Pete Carroll? He's probably seen everything, and he's seen just about everything from Sean McVay, and now Sean McVay has to do something new. And then, and then the, the Monday night game will be fascinating. What will Sean McDermott and the Bills put together for Aaron Rodgers and the Jets in his Monday night debut? That will be a fascinating little chess match to watch as well. So there's some really awesome matchups from an X and O perspective In Week One. All right. Now, speaking of the Week One games, we're going to take a quick break, and on the other side, we're going to be visited by my good friend Bill Pezda, and and we're gonna he's going to bring us a segment that we're going to call Pez's Picks, because Bill's one of the best football prognosticators I know. Uh, And one of the things you'll you'll notice real quick about Bill, he doesn't really pull any punches. He's not going to talk like a football coach. He's not going to talk like uh, a a guy who covers the team. He's going to talk like a better. He's going to talk like a guy who gambles on games. So, we're going to look at the week one games with Pez. We're going to do Pez's picks against the spread. He's going to give you a bunch of games that he likes. uh, And, you know, we'll see how successful he is. So, that's on the other side of the break. Stick around. I'm sure you'll want to hear that. Back to the call sheet, Kevin Smith with you. And in the second segment of the episode, we are going to look at the week one games. And we're going to look at them, usually we, we look at them from a coaching perspective or from a strategic perspective. But in this segment, we are going to look at them from a betters perspective, right? Football in America, betting on football in America, really, it's about as American as apple pie and like calling in sick on Monday after the Super Bowl. So I've got a guy with me right now who I'm going to bring in who who is uh, about as excellent as you can get in this particular realm of football. That's my good buddy, Bill Pezda. Pez, what's going on, man? Coach, thanks for having me on. Uh,
1: as a gambler, this is always the greatest week of the season. Everybody is undefeated, not just in the NFL, but every gambler. We're all going in with all the money in our pocket we're going to keep it there this week after I give you six gems that I've been working on since the Eagles won that Super Bowl last year. I don't care about the final score. I'm still replaying the game in my head, and I think we won somehow.
0: <laughs> yeah, man, spoken like a truly unbiased fan. So so real quick, Pe- I'll give you a little bit of Pez's background, right? Uh, Pez was briefly the kicking coach for, uh, for our Ocean City Red Raiders when I was the, the head coach and did a great job developing uh, our kicker. He's a former – uh, college soccer player and was a was a a, a long time successful uh, soccer coach uh, at the college and high school level, and uh, he you know translated some of that knowledge to to kicking. Coached with me uh, for a little bit, and and we did really well with our kicker. And uh, I was sad to see him go, but he's all he's an even better prognosticator. I'll tell a quick story, Pez. About ten years ago, my family, well, it was really just me and my wife at the time, went up to visit. Bill and his wife, uh, at Killington mountain, uh, up in Vermont, a little ski getaway. And it was college bowl season at the time. And Pez was, was picking games. He, you know, he picked my brain on a few things, but I think you ended up picking like 10 games. and I think you hit on about eight of them. That was a pretty good new year's Eve, right? Well, that was one of those
1: weeks that every gambler looks forward to in their life coach. Uh, I believe Ohio state put me over the top. Uh, I'm I'm talking thousands, and probably the only time in my life that I've won money like that. And I'm glad you were there to enjoy it. And why
0: would <laughs> I think we, I why think we would spent I've, some of that money on New Year's Eve?
1: We certainly did. And every gambler remembers the weeks that they they won the most money, and nobody can remember losing. Only losers remember losing.
0: <laughs> Got to have a short memory in this game for sure.
1: Absolutely, coaching or gambling, it's a short memory, and every coach is a gambler.
0: That's true, no doubt about it. So, okay. So let's, let's jump in week one uh, week. One's a little bit difficult to pick, you know, you suggested for for some of the reasons or or that you talked about uh, the excitement that goes with week one, but it it can be difficult because many of the teams, we don't know their strengths and weaknesses just yet. We, they haven't established themselves. So you do kind of have to fly by the seat of your pants a little bit, but you got some games you really like. So, so give me, give me your starter. What's your, what's your opening pick here?
1: Well, and myself, like every gambler, week one, you get together, everybody's happy. Nobody's in the hole. Everybody's coming out fresh. And for this week, our top game of the week, we're going to go with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Getting two and a half at home against the San Francisco 49ers. Both teams last year against the spread had pretty predominant numbers, 11-6 and for San Fran, 10-6 and for Pittsburgh. But at the end of the day, I'm going to go with the Pittsburgh Steelers at home against a potential fraud quarterback, Brock Purdy, who the Eagles, I think, showed, I don't think he's capable of playing this league. I don't think physically he could handle the beating that the Steelers are going to be putting on him, and he could be in the locker room by halftime again.
0: Wow, that's a, some provocative stuff from the Pez man here. I mean, you know, the Steelers have been really good in openers the last couple of seasons, and for those who may be listening who think think that Bill is pandering to the Pittsburgh crowd that's on here, I did not prompt him with that whatsoever. That was an unprompted Steelers pick. But last year the Steelers upset Cincinnati on the road in week 1 and 2 years ago they upset Buffalo on the road in week 1. So they've been a they've been a really good week 1 football team. All right, so Bill likes the Steelers. Hey, Kenny uh, Pickett
1: yeah. Kenny Pickett's looking hot. Najee Harris is a horse. I'd say San Francisco is going home with a big loss.
0: Okay. All right. So so I'll take the, the points the at home. Points. Okay, Steelers and the points. All right, give me another one. What, what's the what's second game you really like?
1: Well, I mean, how could we not go with the Philadelphia Eagles? Coming off our second greatest season of my life as a Philadelphia Eagle fan, you name the position, we got a weapon. We got the best quarterback in the league, Jalen Hurts. And the Patriots are done. They're over. Mac Jones is not an NFL quarterback. 14 TDs to 11 picks last year. That's a JV high school quarterback numbers, and we probably aren't proud of those numbers. I I did some research on the Pats. I went on their website. They had four articles about Tom Brady in their latest news section. Time to move on, losers. Brady's gone. Big (laughs) Papi's gone. The golden years are over in New England. I'm not afraid of Belichick anymore. Birds win big, given four on the road. Not worried about it one bit.
0: I mean – yeah, I you know, I don't generally am more objective than this, but that's why you're the gambler, man. You, sp- you speak in uncertainties, and I, I like that. It, it's interesting when you look at uh, at the Philadelphia-New England matchup because a lot of people are fearful of giving Belichick an entire summer to prepare for a team, but you, you don't seem to be as, uh, as nervous as many.
1: Okay, I'm going to be honest with you, Coach. I was nervous, and I still am a little bit. I hate Belichick. He's like a shark. He has no emotion. He's got dead eyes. He's a winner. <laughs> But I don't know if he's a winner without Tom Brady. We haven't seen that yet. And I'm going to take Jalen Hurts over Mac Jones every day of the week in every sport I play.
0: Okay, interesting. All right, so we got two in the books. All right, how about a third? Give me a third pick.
1: Third pick, we're going to go with the Green Bay Packers shedding the Aaron Rodgers curse and shadow with a big win against uh, the Chicago Bears, who I think are going to be a little better this year, but not this week. I'll take Jordan Love, who looks hot and looks like he's been on the bench maybe a little bit too long in Green Bay.
0: Interesting. So so what's the spread in that one?
1: Green Bay's laying – well, they open laying three. They're laying one now. Green Bay won both games last year. Fields couldn't move the ball against that team. He had 70 passing yards in the first game, and he blew the game in the second meeting with two picks in the fourth quarter. I, I think I'm going to go with the trends that are going to keep – three in a row for Green Bay in, the, in this matchup. Bears had the second worst uh, second worst against the spread record last year the Chicago Bears, 5-11-1. A loser's a loser. And sorry to say it, Dick, uh, Jim McMahon, the good old days, we're not seeing him in, in Chicago this year, and we haven't seen him in a while.
0: Okay. So to, a, a, explain something to, to people who are listening. When a line moves like that, right, It Green Bay was minus three, now they're minus one. What What's that mean? What's that? What, what's happening with the bets? Well, some of these lines were
1: probably set early on in the summer, and you probably had movement with the preseason performance, maybe guys getting hurt. Uh, it, it can be a lot of action coming in on one side. Um, in this game, that's probably part of the case. I'm not the only guy that thinks Jordan Love had a good preseason. I'm not the only guy saying he's – He's a quarterback that's got something to prove this year. So it could be that. And then again, it could be Vegas trying to make the most money. Who knows? I mean, they're the geniuses that set these lines, and you're usually pretty accurate.
0: Yeah, they are remarkably good, Vegas. All right, so we've got Steelers. We've got Eagles. We've got Packers. All right, give me a fourth one.
1: All right, we're going to go with the Cleveland Browns. Starting the season off with a big win against the Cincinnati Bengals. Deshaun Watson, last full year he played, you know it better than me, Coach. You're a quarterback guy. Guy had 33 touchdown passes and seven picks. Three more he ran in. That's a pretty potent offensive weapon. I, I think he comes back in that form and, and sheds uh, the dark times that he had and being away from the league.
0: Interesting. That that's become a pick that I've heard a little bit of uh, of excitement and enthusiasm for is is Cleveland at home in week one and a big rivalry game against against Cincinnati. So I'm not I'm not totally surprised to hear you pick that game. What's Chubb. Oh, sorry.
1: Fifteen hundred yards from scrimmage last year, Nick Chubb and going with Deshaun. And let's face it, Joe Burrow. He's not a very likable guy. He's a little obnoxious. (laughs) (laughs) Who hurts their calf in preseason? Have you ever heard of a calf injury in the NFL? Give me a break. I think that guy's a little bit of a fraud. I'm going to go with the Browns with a big win.
0: Joe Burrow is a little bit of a fraud. That's definitely the most provocative thing that's ever been said on the call sheet. I don't like him one bit, Coach. I don't like him one bit. A little showy.
1: He would not make it on the Pittsburgh Steelers or the Philadelphia Eagles. We take real tough men.
0: (laughs) Okay, so well, you know, a good way to keep the ball away from Joe Burrow is to, is to pound the rock with Nick Chubb, and you know Cleveland's got that good run game.
1: How do you stop Chubb. that offense, right, Deshaun and Nick Chubb? I mean, that's a potent, that's a potent offense right there.
0: All right, so we got we got four in the books. What's pick five?
1: Uh, next up, we're going to go with the Buffalo Bills against the New York Jets. Oh, okay, that's about, I can't well, wait to hear this one. Bill's laying two and a half on the road. The, the Bills are due. Let's face it. They're the most likable team in the league right now, right? Had the incident with DeMar Hamlin. Thank God everything worked out with that poor guy. I think it took the wind out of their sails last year. They were probably destined to get to that Super Bowl, and, and even though I think the Eagles would have beaten them, would have been a, a good game. Um, I think it's their year. I think Aaron Rodgers, could you, could you have a more selfish guy in the league than Aaron Rodgers? Could you have a more unlikable guy? I, I'm going to take Joe Burrow over Aaron Rodgers and likability, and, and that's saying a lot for me. I'm going with the Bills all day. I'm going with a big blow up in New York. Aaron Rodgers pouting on the sideline, making his crazy faces. I, I don't like the guy one bit. I just don't, Coach. I'm just going to tell you, tell you how I feel about
0: him. I'm going to go with the Bills big. Ooh, okay. All right. Now, before we get to the last pick, i got to ask you something. Because I've seen firsthand that, you know, that you're good at this. You, you, you have a track record of success when it comes to picking games. And I wouldn't have had you on unless I knew that you were good and that you could give people who are listening, who are interested in, in betting games, something worthy of taking away. But I hear you talking with a lot of emotion. And, and, re, and a lot of the picks that you're reacting or that you're cho- uh, choosing, you have a, a, almost emotional reactions to. And I just got to ask this question. Is it dangerous to, to bet with emotion? I mean, or, or is the emotion just something that's sort of a byproduct of you liking these games nonetheless? Well, Coach, of course you're correct.
1: Emotion is a dangerous thing when you're gambling, but no good gambler isn't emotional. You got to go into that fight like you're going to win that fight. You're not going to go in timid. I'm not going to tell you I'm afraid of Aaron Rodgers because he can zing that ball around. I hate Aaron Rodgers. And you have to hate the people that you bet against. That's part of winning. And sometimes it probably hurts us gamblers. Every gambler out there knows that. Uh, they, they say not to bet with your heart. But any Eagles fan or Pittsburgh fan or a Buffalo fan, they're going to bet with their heart. And, and that's what we're doing. Aaron Rodgers, selfish guy, me guy. Garrett Wilson's a good player. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to have the time. His offensive line looks looks weak in the preseason. And I, I think the coach is kissing his butt a little bit too much. I'm watching that show on HBO. It's a little nauseating. Okay, the guy can throw the ball. Aaron Rodgers, uh, maybe he should just be treated like a regular guy. That's just me.
0: <laughs> okay. All right. So Aaron Rodgers' dislike uh, leads to a big Bill's victory and it's probably a practical pick too i think people forget how good the bills are that's sort of been lost in the hype surrounding the jets yeah so give me one more right let's make this a complete six pack give me give me a sixth pick
1: i believe we did
0: oh we, we we covered six okay all right let's recap it then right we've got who do we got as our winners we've got the steelers we've got the eagles We like Green Bay. We like the Browns. We like Buffalo. I can't remember what the sixth pick was, but, but we got five great ones right there at least to, to, you know, sink our teeth into. And I mean, Pez and I were talking before the show and I said, Hey, uh, if you don't have a lot of success this week, then I might have to bring my five-year-old daughter on, on the show the next time you're on here and we'll have you go one-on-one against her. She'll pick games, and you'll pick games. So that's the bar well, you have to clear. You have to clear. you got to win enough games for you to not have to go one-on-one against Shiloh.
1: Well, uh, I don't think I could beat Shiloh, and I'm afraid to go up against her in anything. It's a very determined young lady right there. <laughs> uh Sixth pick, I believe we did miss, Coach.
0: Oh, okay. Okay, who do you got?
1: Okay, we're going to go with – I don't, I'm not saying I'm the most confident of this pick, but I like it, and I like the team a lot. I know I talked to you about the coach, and I like what he's doing. Detroit Lions on the road, getting five, taking the Chiefs down in, in the first game of the NFL season.
0: Mm, that's a provocative pick. That's Kelsey a, a
1: little dinged up in practice, I'm hearing, this week. You've got some holdouts in Kansas City, and at some point that team's got to cool down. Un- uh, unbelievable talent with him and Mahomes and what they're doing. Andy Reid, I like the guy. Th- they can't win every game they can't do it. And then uh, I, I still think we won that Super Bowl. I don't know how that game ended. I, I I'm still trying to figure out how the, the Philadelphia Eagles didn't win that game. I'm going to go with the lions to avenge the
0: Eagles and game one of the NFL season. How about that? Fascinating. Fascinating. Okay. All right. So, so you're on record, right? We're going to keep, we're going to keep track of that. And, yes, and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll look at these in a little more detail the next time you're on, tell me real quick. I want to ask you one more question real fast before we let you go. We were talking before the show, and I was asking you about prop bets. And you said you're not a fan. Tell me why. What's, what's, the, what's the deal with prop bets?
1: Well, gambling used to be a little bit more of an honest sport, Coach. You pick games. You pick lines. Now that we have legalized gambling, it's become the lottery. It's like playing the money wheel at the casino. I, am I going to wager my money on how many touchdown passes a quarterback's going to throw or how many fumbles or the coin toss? That's fun one game of the year for the Super Bowl. Well, let's leave it at that. Let's pick winners. Let's pick totals. Once we get some more data on these teams after week one, we can get into over-unders a little bit. Week one is fun, though. I tend to go with winning teams, winning tradition. I tend to go with quarterbacks that are good leaders, and, and I, I I like teams that don't have drama in the preseason. Drama to me equals early season losses. And that's a that's in every sport and every level.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well said. Interesting stuff. Uh, Okay, man. So we're going to wrap it right there. Okay. We're going to, and again, we're going to have Pez back uh, sometime soon. And we'll look at some of these picks and we'll get some more of his ideas as we move forward. And if you guys uh, who are listening uh, can win some money, then you can thank Bill. And if you uh, lose some money off his picks, please don't come looking for me. Uh, And I I will not give up Bill's location either. So I just want
1: to, Well, that's part of that's the code of gambling. Uh, everybody's a winner, even when you lose.
0: <laughs> that sounds like an odd <laughs> code. <laughs> All right, uh, week one's coming up, ladies and gentlemen. So, man, we're we're right here. We're right on the cusp. Right, the, the season opener is tomorrow night, and then the full slate of games over the weekend. It'll be a fascinating week, and we'll have a lot to talk about when we come back next week. So, for my guest, Bill Pezda, and for Kevin Smith, this has been another episode of the Call Sheet. Enjoy week one. I hope your team does well. Uh, And we'll catch you next week. Thanks, everybody.